Thrill Seekers Radio. I'm Alex Dolan, and a reminder that this episode of Thrill Seekers with Kim Savage and all other episodes of Thrill Seekers are available at www.alexdolan.com. That's www.alexdolan.com. And we are part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, so uh, Kim Savage is the author of three novels, uh, and I got introduced to her through uh, one of my favorite people, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, Kim Savage, welcome to the show, and, uh, and uh, congratulations on In Her Skin. Hello, and um, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Kristen Russo. Um, who is also a writer and, and works kind of more in the nonfiction academic side of things, but she is one of uh, my favorite people and uh, I'm really happy she connected us. Yeah, I, I, I am too. As I told you a little earlier, she really is somebody um, very special to me and I've known her for a very long time, since first grade. So yeah, we go way back. And you guys knew each other since first grade. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her dad was my um, my optometrist. Um, and really? Lived together. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we had a first grade class together, but we reconnected after so many years at um, an SCBWI conference, so a Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators um, conference, a couple of, gosh, well, a decade ago now, probably, and we were both just we had both just made the decision to to jump back into writing. I think she had been teaching English at the time, I want to say. Um, she was also a journalist, and that's my background. Uh, and we had both just decided to, to take the plunge and um, try to write fiction. And we stayed in touch ever since. So, yeah, she's a very special person to me, too. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Uh, all right. So this is your In Her Skin is your third book. You also wrote Beautiful Broken Girls, After the Woods. Um, but let's talk about In Her Skin, and uh, for people that are coming to this fresh, what, what's it about? Oh, sure. Um, so, so In Her Skin um, is about a 16-year-old girl named Jo Chastain, and her mother trained her to be a con artist. Um, the novel starts actually after she's witnessed her mother's murder by an abusive boyfriend when she leaves Florida for Boston. And... Um, when we meet Jo, she's been living in a tent on the streets of Boston with a very sweet boy called Wolf. And Wolf loves Jo, but he can't give her what she wants most, which is really sort of the safety of a family. Um, so she realizes it's time for a fresh start, and she's got exactly one skill as a con artist. And, um, you know, she's really just very, very good at getting inside other people's skin. So... Um, she spots a girl named Temple Lovecraft in the Boston Public Library, and she decides to steal her identity. But pretty early on, she realizes that Temple's father is a big local developer, and she decides that Temple will be too recognizable to make this work. So she finds an article that connects um, Temple's family, the Lovecrafts, to a nine-year-old girl named Vivian Weir, who was a ward of Temple's parents. And Vivian Weir had disappeared from the Lovecrafts' um, Back Bay Brownstone about seven years earlier. So Joe, savvy Joe, uh, decides that Vivi 
missing Vivi is her ticket off the streets. So she goes to the cops with a story of being held captive. And Temple's parents, Henry and Clarissa Lovecraft, um, arrive at the police station and they immediately accept Joe as Vivi without question. And Joe moves into their luxurious home. Um, her life with Lovecrafts is absolutely perfect until she begins to suspect that the Lovecrafts have secrets of their own. And I think that's where I have to stop because I'm venturing into spoiler into territory. Spoiler territory. Uh, one of the things I actually love about talking to you now is that we're about to hit Oscar season and this was a really great book for me to read at the same time the movie Parasite was out. And I don't know if you've seen the movie yet, but. Uh. <laughs> Deadlines, yeah. I am disconnected. I, I am. I've been disconnected from the real world for a couple of months. So, but people keep telling me that I've well, it. So I'm not. I'm not the first person who's mentioned this. Oh no. No, no. no. And and this is not for everyone listening. This is not me saying that these are these are totally different stories, but they share similar themes. Because for people who haven't seen the movie Parasite, it's a Korean film about a family of con artists that basically infiltrate a wealthy family as their help, um, and. Um, it's very like it's similar themes and it just was an, a really interesting companion piece to in her skin because they, they tread a lot of um of s similar subject matter yeah um, oh, yeah oh i'm excited well i've got to see it it, it is know, it is it's pretty awesome actually and uh it's it totally deserves its oscar nomination um well so first of all uh are you a lovecraft fan <laughs> you know, I, right. So, um, I appreciate horror. I'm not a fan is the wrong word. Um, to say I'm not a fan is the wrong way to say it. Um, but my interests lie more along the lines of psychological suspense. And that's probably not a surprise, given that's what I write. Um, but for me, the name worked on a lot of different levels. Um, it was a little bit of a nod because you know, yeah. okay with Lovecraft. <laughs> uh, and these are people who are, forgive me, but they're sort of, they're crafting love, right? They're creating um, a situation where Joe is going to get everything she needs, even if she has to make concessions and ignore huge red flags to get that love. So um, a little bit of a play on the writer and also on, on what the name means. Well, so you read psychological suspense, and, and so you are a, a reporter uh, by trade. So talk a little bit about your experience as a reporter, and then when you, when you talk about taking the plunge into writing fiction, what, what inspired you to go there? Sure. You know, um, well, I always knew I would write fiction. It was just a matter of time. You know, it was a, a matter of being unable not to do it, right? So... Um, Actually, at that same conference that I mentioned to you where I met Kristen, there was a keynote speaker and her name was Cindy Lord or is Cindy Lord. She's a huge author of mid-grade um, fiction. And um, she, she told an amazing story about how she had huge challenges with her son um, and she would only be able to write at night. So she would write something like four in the morning until six. And that's how she got her book rules done, uh, her award-winning book. And at the time I, I hadn't been a reporter, 
reporter. I had stopped um, working uh, many years before, but I have a son who has um, a chronic disease. And uh, that was sort of my reason for never getting around to doing the work. But during that keynote talk, um, Cindy said, she said she got to the point where she had to do it or stop wanting it. And I realized I would never stop wanting it. So I sat down actually after that conference and started writing After the Woods, my first book. Um, and for me, the process of writing that book um, was easy. Not easy, that's the wrong word. I call it my Franken book because it is my first and I see all the seams, even though I hope other people don't. Um, but I was, I was accustomed to writing under deadline. I was used to writing in spare language. Um, yeah, so, so certainly my experience having been a reporter helped me with the craft and technique. Um, I also have, you know, I was a business reporter, so I didn't cover the kinds of stories, the kinds of things that I write about, you know, the, the closest I came. I would pitch stories. I would pitch stories like I was covering residential real estate at one point, and I would want to write about um, houses that had had murders happen in them because realtors had to take special steps when they were selling those kinds of houses. So I would sort of take the driest material and sort of try to twist it into a story that I was interested in writing. So I, I was going to say, so like you really think that doesn't relate to your book? Yeah. <laughs> that was me trying, right? Right, to, right, to right. Kind of stuff that I wanted to. But, you know, along those lines, I'm a news junkie. I'm absolutely, I still am. It'll never leave me. And actually my my second love is narrative nonfiction. And at some point I, I want to go down that path. But this story in her skin um, is not entirely based, but in large part based on a real true crime story. Um, shall I tell you? Please. Yeah. So um, I had heard about uh, a story about a real life con artist. Um, his name was Frederick Bourdon. And there was actually a documentary made about his story. It's absolutely fascinating. But um, I, I, I got, I, I jumped all in. So I went well beyond the documentary. He's incredibly fascinating and infuriating. Um, and he's still around. What he did was he impersonated a missing boy, um, Nicholas Barclay, who had gone missing, I guess, around the age of 13 from San Antonio, Texas. And Verdun's con on his face was completely improbable. I mean, he was French. Um, he was solidly into his 20s at this point. It was about four years later, so Nicholas would have been about 17. And he looked nothing like this blue-eyed, blonde boy. Um, and he just appeared about three years after Nicholas's abduction. And he told his parents an incredibly far-fetched story of having been kidnapped and held for years. And despite you know, enormous evidence to the contrary, Nicholas's parents accepted him as their missing son until the FBI was able to prove that Bourdain was a fraud um, through, I want to say, fingerprints and, and DNA. But I, I was less interested in how Frederick had done what he had done and more interested in the question of why anyone, any thinking person would go along with that kind of a ruse um, when there was so much evidence to the contrary. 
And so from that question, I, I created the plot of In Her Skin. And as you well know, the Lovecrafts have their own reason for believing that Joe is Vivian, um, something quite different than, than the story on which it's based. But yeah, I, I love a, I do love a rip from the headline story. I've got to, I've, I've got to admit. Um, so what time, what year would, was the actual crime? Uh, you know, or what, uh, roughly? Yeah, uh, I want to say 1997 or 1994. I think he was abducted in 94 and perhaps Bourdon came about three years later on 1997. And I may have that, I may have that wrong, but I think that's right. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a wild story. Um, and of course, incredibly sad. You can imagine, you can fill in the blanks, you know, all of the reasons the parents would believe that, that he was their missing son. Um, but the Lovecrafts have a very different reason. Well, and that's one of the, the themes that I really loved about this, because my, my, my sweet spot is, is definitely psychological suspense, even though um, mm -hmm. I love reading all forms of, of thrillers and other fiction. Um, sure. But the, um, I really love getting into the way people think. And there is the kind of the question, uh, I'm saying this for the benefit of the people listening, uh, there's the theme in her skin where people are just fooling themselves or, or, or are they fooling themselves? Or like, there's that level of, you know, how, how we allow ourselves to kind of play along with social convention. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm incredibly interested in that too. And, you know, that was, I was thinking along those lines when I was creating Joe's character because she's incredibly savvy, right? I mean, she has to be. She's been raised as a con artist and she's been living on her own in Boston. Excuse me. Yeah, in her, on her own in Boston. Um, and, you know, you have this evidence of that, right? Like she knows how to work the false bottom of a drawer and she knows how to trade information for information and she knows how to plan an escape and all of that but she also has to have a vulnerability about her um so i made her um i gave her certain characteristics like i made her a magical thinker um, and some of this i've got to admit is autobiographical right i i was a magical thinker and sort of still am um, this is a dumb question, but could you t uh, talk about what a magical thinker is? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite explanation of what a magical thinker is actually um, comes from Tina Fey. You know, she talks about when she's on a cruise ship, <laughs> she'll stand there and think to herself, you will not sink, you will not sink, you will not sink. So you're thinking that the power of your mind can affect change. So Joe has a habit of repeating things three times. You know, she says, I am Vivian Weir, I am Vivian Weir, I am Vivian, because she thinks it will make things so. You know, she says this. Um, and of course, magical thinking doesn't work, right? Um, but she thinks it protects her in some way. Um, her mother taught her that words have power. So when she's in a difficult situation, she'll repeat things three times. You know, part of that too, a lot of what I write are tend to be homages to books that I love. So um, I, I'm a huge Shirley Jackson fan. And yeah. uh, 
Yeah. So part of part of Joe is um, Maricat in um, We Have Always Lived in the Castle because you have this character who's been traumatized and is sort of vulnerable. Um, and she says things three times thinking that it will make her safe or um, keep her sister safe in the case of that novel. So it's a little bit of Maricat in there too. But yeah, so Joe, Joe, um, she's vulnerable for, for how savvy she is, I guess. And the, the Lovecrafts obviously take advantage of that. For, uh, for the, the character of Joe, um, so she is somebody who is ostensibly homeless and, um, you know, basically her, her home, her home as much as anything as a home is the Boston Public Library, which growing up in Boston was, um, was really interesting to me because that very, very much is a destination for homeless people, as is any yeah. public library. Um, but it made me wonder how much research did you do into um, into that part of it? Because I, I felt like that it, her character felt so rich. I wondered if you did any digging into um, what the homeless population and community is like in Boston now or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I did research to the extent that I read a lot of articles by reporters whom I know and trust. Um, there were stories written at least solid 10 years ago now, but about tent cities. Um, you know, there was a time when that was sort of an interest, not an interesting angle, but it was something that reporters wanted to cover because you were seeing a proliferation proliferation of them. You were seeing them in South Boston. I think there were tent cities in Brockton, if I can remember my research correctly. Um, so I was doing a lot of, um, you know, sourcing information that way. In terms of locations, um, the BPL is one of my favorite places in the world, right? It's just, it's incredible. Um, yes, you do see, you see homeless people there. I have, I spent a lot of time there. Um, and would see them uh, any place warm where they don't kick you out. Uh, and, you know, there was a whole other level of research in terms of um, being able to describe what Joe would see there with Temple. So I spent a lot of time in special collections, uh, a lot of time in those, that crazy marionette room, the name of which I'm forgetting now. It's a Russian name, but I'm forgetting the name. Um, but I took out, um, I had to sign out so sorry. I had to sign out uh, pieces of Poe and Dickinson and look at their original writing you know, to be able to write about um, the kinds of pieces that Joe and Temple talk about. So it was, it was a lot of fun for me, though. You know, I, I love a good Boston story, and I don't know many of them, to tell you the truth. I certainly can't think of very many YA novels set in Boston, so it was something of a treat for me to be able to, to do that kind of research. I and, and that's one of the, the things I mean, as somebody who grew up in Boston and, and New England um, and again this book in her skin would appeal to anyone because it's a great book but um, I I'm really fascinated by books that really kind of like give you an authentic feel of what it's like to be in a place mm -hmm. um, and I, I you know there there are a lot of examples of this but the one that I that I always like is uh, the alienist by Caleb Carr, which is um, a you know, period piece, but he did so much research into what it was like in the early 1900s in New York that you really felt like you were there. Um, and as growing up in Boston, I like it 
took you so deep into the city for me <laughs> and in a way that I don't often read. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. You know, the story set in my backyard uh, and it was, this was, easy is not the right word, but this book absolutely flowed. Um, you know, I found Joe's voice almost immediately. Uh, and um, to be able to set it in my backyard in Boston that I know so well. Um, yes, some research was necessary, but I was writing what I knew. Um, which everyone says you're supposed to do, right? Uh, so I, I'm glad to hear that that you felt like you were there and that it that it translated. But it, um, yeah, that it was evident. You know, it was also I was trying very hard to, to sort of make a contrast between the power that Lovecrafts have versus the absolute lack of power that Joe has, right? I mean, you've got to sort of see the differences between the luxury that you see in Back Bay and those brownstones or when you're going down Newbury Street and what she would have seen in Tent City. Um, it's, there, there's a lore there and she's not immune to it. And, and for anyone who's, who's not, you don't have to be from Boston to appreciate this, but I think in, in every major city now, uh, what I liked about reading this now is that it feels like where we are with the economy, there's that ever expanding divide between, um, between classes. And um, oh, yeah. uh, one person I talked to kind of compared this to kind of the new gilded age where there was extreme wealth and extreme poverty right. and that mm -hmm. that's growing. And I, I thought this was a, a, an interesting way to, to explore that dynamic. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you, this is classified as a YA novel. Um, and yet, it it could be any like it, it didn't feel did it does it feel like it's young adult or what what makes it young adult to to you yeah um you know it, i mean it felt like just a yeah. psychological suspense and so i didn't you know mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know i like to say that I, I write books and you'll find them in the young adult section. Uh, my, do my novels absolutely live comfortably in both YA and so-called YA and adult realms. Um, many, many so-called crossover books do. Um, but I, I, I think the term crossover, which is how my book is described, um, is really just a construct. I mean, that's all it is because I think when you label a book a crossover book, you're saying that other books aren't crossover books, right? But any book can appeal to anyone. Um, for example, my own children are nearly exactly within the ages of the recommended ages for my books. And my books all say ages 14 to 17. Um, my youngest will not read my books for many years because she self-selects completely different content. Um, the middle guy loves them. He is one of my beta readers, actually. Uh, he actually sees my material before my agent does. Um, and then the oldest has a bent toward the classics. You know, he just finished Dorian Gray and loved that. So they all approach my work differently, and yet they are supposed to be the ages who are supposed to be reading my books. So I think, I mean, rather than call a book like In Her Skin or In Her Skin Young Adult Fiction, I think the more honest 
and more helpful descriptors if you're looking for a particular book would be psych suspense or noir-ish or books about power and class or books about con artists and their victims, right? So I just, I find the lines at this point have been, they've completely blurred. Um, there used to be sort of hallmarks of YA books. They would always say that you'd have to have a protagonist, you know, who doesn't age out during the course of the novel. Um, they would typically have a first person narration, which two of my three books do. Um, and then they would always, or they would often, most often end on a hopeful note. And that, that just, that makes, I, I get a kick out of that because all of my books, could be considered dark, I mean, relatively dark, but I think their endings are hopeful. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like more and more YA is, it's, it's a construct for booksellers to be able to put their books in one spot um, and pitch them a certain way and make a little bit of sense out of something that is hard to explain because it's completely subjective, you know, what you like to read. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and remind everybody we've been talking to Kim Savage, the author of In Her, si In Her Skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> that works too. That works. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I'm sure somebody else wrote In Her Sin, and that's not the book you should get. Um, no, it might be, it might be a fine book, we don't know. Um, but In Her Skin by Kim Savage, she's also the author of After the Woods uh, and Beautiful Broken Girls. And you are listening to Thrill Seekers Radio. We're part of Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. This is a trademark copyrighted podcast solely owned by Authors on the Air, Global, Global Radio Network, LLC. Um, and as we, we wind down, I wanted to, to bring up the fact that, uh, well, one, I wanted to get back to the idea that you're, so one of your sons is a beta reader. What kind of feedback does he give you? <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, He's so good. Uh, you know, not perhaps what you would think. You might think that a 14-year-old, that's 15, 15-year-old 15 boy would um, be helping me with, you know, dialogue or things like that, authenticity or voice. Um, but it's never that at all. Um, he is my logic guy. So he will um, let me know where I have plot holes, that sort of thing. He's a big picture guy. and that's that's always what I need you know we all get so deep into our stories and you can't take that step back and see these kinds of things so that's that's what I use so he's for. kind of like your continuity guy yeah yeah, yeah I think that's, yeah. <laughs> sure. that's great um and yeah I, I I read that your husband and and children have have asked to be in the books <laughs> not anymore uh, yeah, not, not since I started writing them I'm started reading them. Yeah, no, I mean, um, my books are objectively dark. Um, I don't think of them as dark because I equate darkness with a feeling of discomfort. And I think that's horrific. You know, as a reader, I want to be stretched. Um, so I've got characters that will stretch you because you'll need to um, recognize something of their behavior, perhaps in yourself, right? Or um, maybe experience a point, sense of poignancy, like like in the case of the character of Jerry, you know. Um, so um, 
Yeah, they they shouldn't want to, um, particularly my husband, because another hallmark in YA is that you marginalize parents by killing them off. So I'm not sure he would have a role. <laughs> or a sh- short-lived one, really. He'd be short-lived, yeah. yeah. Because the truth of the matter is if parents hovered over their young adults in the way that we really do, um, you wouldn't have a very interesting story because your protagonists couldn't do the interesting things that they need to do to, to make an interesting story out of it, right? So um, this a is a question I don't, I don't ask often, but in the case of, of Joe, are you I, this is a this is a character that I was very compelled to follow. Are you thinking of writing this as a series or is it a standard? Oh, are you not sure yet? I love that you asked that because um in her skin was uh, my idea was to pitch it as a two book uh as a novel with a sequel. Um I had a name it was in her skin and the second book would be beside her bones because I really liked the idea and again, I'm, I'm getting closer to spoilers. I'll be careful. Um, but I liked the idea of what would happen to Joe next. Right. Um, right. <laughs> that probably is as far as I can go with that. Uh, but my agent felt strongly that I could tell the story within one novel. So it was probably good that, that we did, uh, did things that way. Yeah. You know, a huge influence on this book. Have you read Carolyn Kepney's books, um, You and Providence? Yes, yes. Yeah, so in the Netflix, you know, the Netflix show has been made um, based on you, and I, I don't think it's been, I haven't watched it yet. It's almost too close for me. I don't, I tend not to read or watch things that I feel are too close to my work. Um, but uh, that's a two, you know, that's a book and a, and a sequel. And um, yeah, the, I, I thought it made sense to finish um, Joe's story in the way that she does. Oh yeah, that's another Joe. Wow. Okay, that was. I, nice. I was going to say that that author has actually been on this show, and and is wonderful. Yeah, she's fantastic. And well, you know, the second person narration really got me in that story, and I came to Joe's voice and decided to tell the story in the second person. Um, based in part on how, how the immediacy I felt when I was reading Kepney's books. Um, I liked the way the second person sort of commanded collusion. You know, you're really drawing that reader in and um, by directly addressing them. And then you also create that incredibly close relationship with um, the protagonist and the object in the case of her stories of his obsession. And actually in the case of my story too, in the case of Joe's obsession with Temple. So yes. um, Huge influence. Yeah, she's, yeah, I'm fangirling right now, but yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> and she's, she's wickedly funny too. Um, Unsurprising. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I want to remind everybody, we've been talking to Kim Savage. Uh, the book is In Her Skin. It is a fantastic book. Um, I can't wait to read more of your stuff. Um, for people that want to find out more other than, going to their bookstore and asking for In Her Skin, what's the best way for them to, to look you up? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm on Twitter sometimes when I can take it at KH Savage. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kim Savage Writes. Uh, and my website is kimsavage.me. And I'd love to talk to readers. So, so please be in touch. This was so much fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And congratulations on the book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Ha 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 ha